passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker worker of yours. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We are here headed into another weekend of Ohio State football. This week, the Buckeyes have Indiana on the docket. They return home after two straight weeks on the road. It's it's almost felt after the first half of the season, basically, like Ohio State's been gone from, from the horseshoe for quite a while, but we'll be back there tomorrow or, or on Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this. We uh, have a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Indiana Hoosiers for sure and break down some of that. But we're also going to look back to last week and kind of some of the issues that were taking place with the Buckeyes. How concerned should you be with those? If you're watching this live, I'm going to ask about your your panic meter from 1 to 10, where, where you kind of stand. We'll get to that later. Um, but, uh, yeah, before we get to it, cheers to the weekend. Uh, t- the, today I've got an Anderson Valley Pats- Tropical Hazy Sour IPA. So uh, I don't know what this is. It was in my fridge. I'm going to enjoy this while we, while we talk today, and, and I hope you ab- you're able to enjoy something too. So to kick it off, I wanted to talk about the Hoosiers and, and bring in Matt Weaver from our 247 sports site, peaks.com. Matt, thanks for jumping on here. How are you doing today? I'm okay. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, obviously, we've got this game on the docket. Would you rather talk about it or Indiana basketball right now? <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously, I, I can talk a little bit about Indiana basketball, but I don't cover it, so I'm not sure how much knowledge I can give you there, but uh, I guess we'll talk about the, the football game. 
Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, should be interesting once we do get really into basketball season with the Hoosiers there. But football field's kind of the opposite. You and I did uh, some questions back and forth that, that people, if they want to read, can check that out, kind of the written side of this. But let's dive into it first. Just your impressions of this Hoosiers team now, based on what you thought coming into the season, kind of where where expectations have been met, where they have well, I mean, obviously, you know, 2020 was, you know, a, a very good season for Indiana. They went into Ohio State, obviously the COVID year, playing in empty stadiums. They went into Ohio State and gave them a heck of a scare and, and you know, had a good season. Then the bottom fell out last year, 2-10. and 10. Um, I think they lost uh, their last nine games or something. They didn't win a game in the Big Ten. I believe that was a nine-game losing streak. Um, and then, so this season, you know, you just kind of, honestly, I told people, I have no idea. Spring practice was closed to us completely. We didn't get to see any spring balls. So we were really kind of in the dark going into fall camp. And so I told people, I thought, I thought this team would be better. And while I think they are, it's not by a whole lot. Uh, they're, they're incrementally better. Not, not very much, but I also said, even if they are quite a bit better, they still may only win three to five, six games because the schedule's so tough. I mean, you're playing you know, every year at Indiana, you almost assume you're going to have three losses, Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan, and then you go to Cincinnati, who's obviously they lost some guys, but still a quality team. So you're looking at, you know, you're kind of staring down four losses. So you got to try to get six wins in eight games. And so while they've 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 um, been not as not as good as I thought they would be. When I say not as good, I thought they would be a little bit better than they are. But I thought they still could only be a four win team. And it looks like right now four to five wins looks like right now three is all they're going to get. You got Ohio State, then you go to Michigan State and then you come home and play Purdue, who last year smoked him in the last game and, and is, you know, a better team. So it's been a rough, see, it's been a rough two years. It's just been, you know, you go five and 19 over a two year period and, you know, potentially five and 19 and potentially one and 17 in the big 10. It's just, it's, there's, there's not a whole lot of good there. Sure. When you look back at the start of the season, obviously things got off on a, a good foot with beating Illinois, a team that obviously has been for the most part, pretty good this year. What was going right then that maybe has flipped? You know, obviously, a three and zero start, but one and zero in the Big Ten to begin, and, and now, as you mentioned, the the Big Ten schedule hasn't been kind to to Indiana. What what's different from maybe the start of the season even to now? Well, I mean, in the Illinois game, you know, I, I, offensively, Indiana has been very poor this year. The stats bear that out. They have a new OC in Walt Bell. He was at UMass the last couple of years as the head coach. Before that, he was at Florida State and Maryland. And I think, you know, he had a new scheme, <clears throat> excuse me, new scheme. And I think teams hadn't, you know, Illinois hadn't seen anything. That was IU's first game. And Illinois helped IU out. And give IU credit, they took advantage of it. But Illinois turned the ball over, I believe, four times in that game. I think there was like three fumbles and an interception. Um, but IU, you know, they, they got some breaks with 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 uh, turnovers. Um, but the issues, the issues that have really cropped up, as I said in, in our written piece, um, that were kind of covered up even last year or two years ago in 20, they are really, really popping up and, you know, you start with the old line on offense. And I just, you know, I think some things broke their way. I don't want to say you got lucky because I think you make your own luck, but there was some good fortune early on. I mean, the second game of the year, you're playing Idaho and you're down 10 to nothing to a bad FCS team. I mean, and now it was, I'm not going to say, you know, it was a weather game. It was pouring down rain, but the bottom line is, you shouldn't be down 10 to nothing to even a good FCS team, but definitely not one that's very, not very good. So, um, you know, there were, the, the things were popping up, even though they started three and oh, you know, the Western Kentucky game, Western Kentucky had a field goal to win the game at the, in the end of regulation, pushed it right, went into overtime, you know, and I, you, they give them credit. They, they, they made some plays to get the win, but this team could easily be um, one and eight right now. I mean, that's they're that close. They're a couple of plays away. Now, as people say, there's a couple of plays. They're literally a couple of plays away from being one and eight instead of three and six, which obviously is still very bad. Um, so I just think, you know, they had some things go their way and, and the shortcomings have not gotten better. They have not they have not um, improved those things. And then some of the other things, maybe they were doing doing well in those first couple of games. They're not doing as well. Maybe they're just not getting some of the breaks they got early on. When and if you're watching this live right now on on StreamYard or through YouTube or Facebook or anything, feel free to throw any questions you have about Indiana for Matt in the the chat here. We'll try and answer some of those while we've got him here. Matt, you said something interesting to me in in our written piece. We were talking about Tom Allen, and you mentioned that you know the buyout's pretty big, and, and you don't see Indiana 
paying that regardless of what he does. And you talked about how he had to buy out one of his assistants last year because the money just isn't there for football. How do you see this program getting more consistent, you know, similar to what it was in 2020, but, but on a more consistent basis, if they're not going to put, put finances into it, you know, we've seen teams Northwestern was in two big 10 championships in three years. You know, there are big 10 teams that are able to make a run. Obviously the big 10 West is a different animal, but I don't know if there's one answer, but what, what do you think needs to happen at Indiana for the football program to at least, you know, just, just elevate itself beyond the bottom of the big 10 East? Well, I mean, football has never been a priority at Indiana and they've started, you know, they've started to, to invest more in it. You know, I had somebody at Indiana give me a good analogy. He was like, you know, before we were, we were fourth and goal and punting out of the back of our end zone. Now we're, you know, fourth and whatever, and we're punting from midfield. So you've made gains, okay. but you're still way behind everybody else. I mean, Indiana doesn't even have its own dedicated football facility. The north end zone at IU where all the football stuff is, other teams come in and, I mean, basically almost every other sport uses their weight room. They don't have their own football facility. And to me, that's just, it's egregious. I, I, there's no other way to put it. You, you, How can you be a power five Big Ten program and not have a dedicated facility for your this is your biggest moneymaker. And I get it. Indiana basketball is huge, but until this school understands the importance of football on the landscape and that, that it is far more important than basketball. And it, when it comes to dollars and the viability of your athletic department, football is so much more important. If basketball is so important, everybody be falling over themselves to get Kansas and Duke. Nobody's yeah. falling over themselves to get Kansas. Nothing against those programs, but there's nobody's falling all over themselves. These, these, these new conferences that are, coming up and you know grabbing people nobody's going after those programs you got to be you've got to be a player on the football side of things because that's where the money is and that's where you know everything's you know uh pushed towards and indiana just hasn't gotten that they just they they have they just don't they don't have that starting from the school down through the boosters to the fans to the all that kind of stuff they just they just don't get it. I mean, there are a lot of people that we call them reverse jacket fans here. They're IU basketball fans and Notre Dame football fans. Okay. Um, they're called reverse. And there's, there's, I'm not saying they're all like that, but there's quite a few that that's, that's who they root for. And um, it's just, it's a vicious cycle. And I don't know. I mean, you know, other than, I don't know who you, you just got to start to me. It's the old business axiom of you got to spend money to make money. And at right. some point you've got to do it. And I mean, they gave Tom Allen, I would call it a competitive contract. I mean, he's making around 5 million a year. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of guys making more than him, but it's competitive. It's at least, but, but you got to do other things. I mean, the fact that he had to pay 950,000 out of his own back pocket to change his OC is just, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It, it doesn't make any sense. So at some point you've got to say it's a priority. We're going to do whatever we can. And we're going to, we're going to try to make this the biggest sport in Indiana, or at least up there with basketball. It's got to be at least equal. I think it should be above, uh, but at least on the same le- level field. And it's just not. Yeah. I experienced some of what you were talking firsthand. One of my best friends grew up in Columbus, went to IU, was a huge IU basketball fan, but a uh, big Ohio State football fan. Never mm-hmm. never converted over. Uh, in fact, we went to one of the games there when I was in school, and he did not even go to the game. So uh, yeah. that, that was how it was. So I've seen that firsthand, as I said. Um, let's talk kind of some of the, the specifics. We went into some players in, in the written version, as we've mentioned a couple times. Um, let's start at the quarterback position, because I think that's obviously one where – there's some questions and obviously it's going to be important to this game. What can you tell us about, you know, for Ohio state fans who haven't followed it, they've used a number of quarterbacks this year. Injuries have obviously been a factor kind of break down what what's happened at the quarterback position this year for IU. Well, for the first, see where they, they're nine games for the first eight games. It was all Connor Bays. Like he took, I almost took every single snap at quarterback. Then this past, they, they played at Rutgers. They had the bye week after Rutgers. Um, uh, come out of the bye week and Tom Allen on the Monday press conference, you know, starts basically he was asked about the quarterback position because Bayslack, like, um, his play has been really, really up and down um, asked if, you know, there's a chance that a different quarterback and he hinted that there would be. So come, come to find out um, that Bayslack like was banged up. He didn't, he did not even dress against uh, Penn state. They started Jack Tuttle who actually in the first quarter was doing a nice job, um, but he got sacked, um, driven into the ground, uh, I'm not sure if it's his left shoulder or right shoulder, but he suffered a shoulder injury and he's done for the season. Doesn't need surgery, but he's out for the rest of the year. 
what was interesting is a, a week or two before Tuttle announced he was going in the transfer portal. So, but he was going to stay with the team. So, I mean, that's another thing. You, you, your starting quarterback is a guy who basically came out and said, I don't want to be here. I mean, he wants to be here, but he's, you know, he's leaving at the end of the season. So yeah. the backup was a true freshman, Brendan Soresby, which surprised a lot of people because Dexter Williams, who I mentioned in our re- written piece, redshirt sophomore, has not played at all, but a redshirt been here with the program for three years now, going on his third year, had dropped down to the third spot. Everybody thought he was the uh, the number three guy. Then he dropped down, I guess, would be the four spot almost. Um, so Bazelak's back. He will start this week. Tom Allen hinted that they could uh, incorporate Dexter Williams, which I think they should because, I mean, listen, they're, they, they've got little to no chance this week, but he can at least – maybe keep the Ohio State defense off guard a little bit or on their heels because he can run. He is a dual threat guy. He's got a good arm. Accuracy can be a problem, but he is a dual threat guy that can make plays with his legs. Connor Bay's like is, I won't say he's a statue, but he's not going to hurt you with his legs. If the pass rush gets to him, he either throws it away or he's getting sacked. There's, um, there's, you know, no in between. He does not do much with his feet at all. So, um, he, you know, you, when you don't have a good running game, which IU doesn't, it's one of the worst in the country and one of the worst in the conference. And your yeah. quarterback can't run; you're in a bad spot. And then you can't pass block consistently. So, you know, add it up, and it's really tough sledding for the offense because if he doesn't have time to throw the ball, he's going down or throwing it away. Um, and even when he does have time, you know, the accuracy has has been an issue. So, I think you'll see Bayslack. I won't be surprised if he takes every snap, but I also wouldn't be surprised if you see Dexter Williams thrown in there. To, to do some kind of not wildcat, but maybe he gets a series, but it may just be kind of a wildcat type of deal. Well, it'll be interesting because Ohio State has had their issues with mobile quarterbacks this year. Toledo had some success, even Northwestern last week. They, they did some wildcat too, which caused Ohio State some issues. So if they do go that route, that could cause some, some problems for this defense or at least keep things a little bit more interesting than I think we both think will be. Um, weapons for this offense who are the guys that that Ohio State fans should know I know you mentioned in in our written piece Cam Camper is a guy who's who's now out for the season who was a big piece for them who else could could come in and and maybe have a day at Ohio Stadium on Saturday yeah I mean you know Camper is such a huge loss I'm just looking at the stats right now in seven games he's first on the team by 14 receptions over the next guy he's played two less games because he also missed um, the Nebraska game and he's got uh, more than 230 yards over the next re- leading receiver on the team. So it's a big loss. He was their go-to guy. I mean, I know it. I, I always wonder what it'd be like. Ohio State loses um, the top returning receiver. Some people yeah. thought in the country, and Marvin Harrison Jr. and these other guys just step up. And I mean, you know, it's a lot of talent over there. But I would say uh, Emory Simmons at wideout. He's the next leading receiver. He's had some nice moments. If DJ Matthews is healthy, he pulled a he had a hamstring injury against Cincinnati, which was like week four. And it's just it's one of those things where I think it just kind of lingered, you know, as hamstring injuries can do. Yeah. And then at the running back position, Josh Henderson, um, a transfer from North Carolina. Emory Simmons is also a transfer from North Carolina. Uh, Henderson is the backup. Quite honestly, should be the starter. He's the best running back on the team, in my opinion. And then Jalen Lucas, a true freshman, not very big, about 5'10, 170 pounds, but really quick, really fast had a 93 yard um, kickoff return for a touchdown at Rutgers. Um, I mean, in the Nebraska game, he was the leading rusher and he carried the ball three times and he was the leading rusher in the game. He, now he averaged 13 yards a carry, but the bottom line is he's explosive. They need to get him the ball more. The problem is since he's not very big, you worry about the pounding, I think on his body and, you know, being able to take all those hits. So those are some of the main guys, AJ Barner, an Ohio guy, you know, a lot was expected of this year. He's been banged up, um, but if he's healthy, he's a big athletic tight end. Um, he's just not, and I think they've had to use him in blocking a lot because the O-line struggled so much, but he's a guy that can make some plays over the middle of the field. But those are the main guys. They're really low on weapons right now. They really are. They just, guys have not come through, I think, like they thought. And obviously the injuries have played a part too. Flip it over to the defense. Same idea, you know, names that Ohio State fans should should be interested in um, coming into this game and, and kind of where maybe you think there's a chance to slow Ohio State down. Well, you know, they lost Cam Jones, who was, you know, a really good linebacker. He got hurt. Oh, it's been, I want to say before, I'm trying to remember what game it was, after the third or fourth game. He's been out for a number of games. He's played, well, it was more than that, fifth game. He 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 played five. Aaron Casey's taking his spot. Aaron Casey, they play a 4-2-5 at Indiana. Um, 
Cam Jones was the stinger, which is the outside linebacker, and Aaron Casey was a starting middle linebacker. They moved Casey out to the stinger, which he's played in the past, and then Bradley Jennings, a transfer from Miami, Florida, has stepped in at that middle linebacker position. Casey's played well. He's leading the team in tackles, leading him in tackles for laws. They use him as a blitzer a lot, kind of like what they did with, if you remember, Micah McFadden in the last couple of years, yeah. where they would kind of blitz him up the middle or off the edge and try to, you know, use him as a as a get to get pressure. Um, Deshaun McCullough, who's a guy that I'm sure Ohio State fans, you know, they know that name. He was committed there. Deshaun's been terrific. Um, you know, I know at a lot of schools, guys like Deshaun are kind of a dime a dozen. At Indiana, he's a unicorn. They don't have anybody like him. He's he is he's a guy that Indiana just never had 6'5", 230, 235, long arms, athletic, explosive. You know, this is the kind of guy he looks like a next level dude. That's what he looks like when you watch him play. And he's been good. He's leading the team, I think, in sacks, and he's one of the top tackles for lost guys. I think I put that in the written part. He's been good. And I think teams are starting to scheme for him. And, you know, he doesn't have a lot of help and pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, the linebackers have been good. The front seven's been – it's been okay. I know the run stats don't bear that out. But one of the things that's hurt Indiana, like I said, they play really fast. I think they're like fifth or sixth in the country in time in between snaps as far as how fast they snap the ball. Um, I saw that on TV the other day. Um, and the problem is, is – I mean, the great thing is when that's working, it's good. It keeps the defense on the heels. Indiana kind of had that with Kevin Wilson when he was the head coach. But when it doesn't work, your defense is on the field a lot. and. Right. Indiana doesn't have the depth at some positions, you know, where you can just rotate a bunch of big guys and keep up a team. So, you know, the secondary has been a major disappointment. You know, guys who were really good the last couple of years have just not played to that level. The Taiwan Mullen, uh, Jalen Williams, Devon Matthews, you know, they haven't been bad. They just haven't been what they needed them to be for this defense to really kind of bounce back after a poor 2021 season. That tempo is something that came up this week when, when we were meeting with Ryan Day, he said, they have they had three huddles running in practice against the the starting defense just to kind of keep them mm-hmm. going and, and get used to that. But you're right, if you can't move the ball, then your defense is right back out there. Ohio or Northwestern did have some success against Ohio State last week when they went tempo. So you know that's certainly I guess something to to keep in mind for fans out there. Let me ask you this, and I've asked some guys around the Big Ten this, and, and it's kind of a general non-related this game question, but I'm always curious about it. NIL transfer portal have been big the last few years. Um, I know you've mentioned some guys that were transfer portal guys, but but how has Indiana attacked both of those things that seem to be coming bigger and bigger in college football these days? Well, they've been very aggressive in the portal, and I think they're going to be after this season because let's be honest, when you go have this kind of season, you're probably going to have some guys bail. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and you're going to have guys bail no matter what. It's just that's just where we're at with college not just football, but across the board, you know, you know, and I get it. You, you only got four or five years. And if you're not playing, you know, I mean, you guys were a perfect example of it. Justin Fields comes up and, and had an amazing career and parlayed that into a high draft pick. And so it's going to happen. And on the flip side, uh, Joe Burrow left Ohio state and goes to LSU and had an amazing. So I get it. Um, you know, I think where Indiana is really behind is the NIL and, okay. you know, you, you, it takes, it takes, obviously the NIL is not something where the school can just basically give, they got to have boosters. you got to have people help you out. And for basketball, it's not really been an issue for football. I think they're still trying to figure this out. And they're, you know, I think I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan Day said this in the off season, he said $13 million, I believe, to put together the kind of roster that they need to compete for national titles every year. I mean, Indiana's not close to that. They're not close to that. I mean, to me, if you could get half of that, you could probably put a competitive roster together. I mean, let's be honest, Indiana, I'm not naive. They're not They're not competing for Big Ten titles every year in football. I mean, maybe you have a year where you have a bunch of t- veterans and an experienced team, and maybe some of these better programs like Ohio State, maybe they have some unfortunate injuries. Even then, Ohio State's so deep, you're going to have to have a lot of injuries. But to me, what they did in 20 is probably their ceiling. You know, uh, it was a 6-2 and two season if you – you know, over a 12 game season, maybe they're nine and three that year. And they go to, a, they go to, what was it? The Outback Bowl. Um, you know, it's just the way it is. You're not going to overcome decades and decades of what Indiana has been a football overnight. Um, so, but they do need to be more uh, aggressive, I guess, or they need to get out there and get NIL money in for football because, you know, I, this is a ways off, but if they get, we go to these two super conferences, which it looks like it's where it's headed to two twenty super conferences, that's 40 teams. There's 130, what, roughly in, in uh, Division One football. Indiana's not one of the 40 best football conferences in this country. They're just not. That's just a fact. That's, And if they're not careful, they're going to be left out in the cold. 
down the road, whether it's five years, 10 years, they, they need to be, they need to understand what the landscape is going to look like. And if they're not, if they're not making football a bigger deal and they're not trying to get this going, they're going to be left out in the cold. And I don't blame them. I don't, I would not blame conferences for saying, you know what, Indiana, you don't bring anything because football wise, they don't. Well, Matt, thank you. Uh, I know it's it's always a busy week during the football season, so I appreciate you taking time to to do this, to to do the piece we talked about that's up on on our site, and and I sent you some stuff as well. Um, if you want to read more about Indiana football, head over to pigs.com. You guys do a great work over there, football, basketball, everything. So thanks again for hopping on, and uh, we'll see how this game plays out on Saturday. All right, thanks again to Matt. He was a big help throughout the week with with everything we were doing, um, getting us some information on Indiana and whatnot. We're going to focus or shift our focus, I should say. Um, Want to go back to last week first, because I know there's still a lot of discussion and, and consternation, uh, complaining, things like that, about what happened at Northwestern last week. And uh, because he just can't stay away from the happy hour, Bringing in Timmy Hall from 97.1 The Fan. Timmy, how you doing today? Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Pat. You know, one of these days I won't be working and maybe I can actually enjoy a brew for a happy I hour. Maybe, I thought maybe they'd let you off the hook for Veterans Day today, which I didn't even know it was Veterans Day today until a buddy told me he's driving into town. And I was like, don't you have to work? And he was like, it's Veterans Day. Come on, so, man. Come on. November, November 11th. It's the same day every year, buddy. It's... Yeah, uh, hat hats off, obviously, to all the veterans out there for for doing what they have done. That lets two guys like us get to have a awesome job like this, where we can just talk Buckeye football and Buckeye basketball with all you fine people. But yeah, that's amazing. I've I've been looking at a lot of the different college basketball things that they are doing for the armed forces. They got a lot of cool like games and events that they do. They're trying the aircraft carrier thing again. I'll never forget. When Ohio State played Marquette or tried to play Marquette, I was just starting my job here with the fan. I actually hadn't – I, you know what, Pat? I I don't even know if I was out here yet, but I was watching on TV because I was just about to. It would have been like either this day or – Right around it. I don't know if that that game landed on Veterans Day, but I, I remember Buzz Williams, Marquette's coach, was actually on his hands and knees trying to wipe the court down to get the condensation off. Thad, with his back issues, of course, wanted no part of that. He was just standing, letting everybody else do the work, as he should have. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I hope it goes well. Gonzaga and Michigan State tonight out in San Diego. So, hope, hopefully it goes well. But playing in, like, the airplane hangars and – all that cool stuff. Uh, it's 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 really neat what they do. But yeah, we got a got another Buckeye game coming up here Saturday at noon. Northwestern was kind of dicey, wasn't it, man? Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously the score. You know, I think there's there's two ways you can look at it, right? You can look at it from the the negative. Oh God, what does this mean for down the road? And you know, playing Michigan and this, that, and the other thing. Or you can look at it as Look, Ohio State's undefeated. They're the only team in the country that's won every game by two touchdowns. They found a way to do it in tough conditions. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people haven't still grasped what it was like there. And I was there. I went down to the field in the fourth quarter. And I've said this a lot this week, but standing in that that one end zone, the end zone that they only scored the one touchdown in, the Mayan Williams touchdown, right behind that, when the wind blew, and it wasn't all the time, but it was on and off, when it blew, it felt like I was getting pushed in the back by somebody. I mean, that's how strong that wind was. It wasn't just, you know, a windy day in Champaign, Illinois. And there's been plenty of those that the Buckeyes have managed to, to get through just fine. This was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. I talked to Steve Hellwagon, who's been doing this longer than me. He'd never seen anything like that. I talked to some of the photographers that were down on the sideline for the whole game. I mean, it was, it was a unique circumstance and, you know, Great, or uh, excuse me, Justin, Jim Knowles, confusing all my coordinators here, um, said this week the only time he's played in anything like that was a hurricane in North Carolina one year when they played Boston College, and that game ended 9-6. to six. So, look, I we can dive into a lot of the, the factors of this game. I am just not at the point where 
I'm ready to panic on this team because I think you can look at these last three games. If they don't stack up back to back to back, I think there's a lot less concern about, especially this running game than there is right now. But I'm curious your takeaways, you watching it on TV, you going back and looking at things, hearing people talk this week, where do you kind of stand on your concern meter for this team heading into the final three games? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'd say, um, I'm not like at a slam dunk that Ohio State's winning a national championship this year or anything like that. Are are you there, Pat? No, but like, is is there one team that you look at right now and you're like, yep, that's it? Because I don't even think, I mean, Georgia looked good last week, but have they been that good all season? They're, I don't think anybody's that. that they're, they're the team, though. And the, and the reason the reason that you would look at Georgia is because they they've definitely increased their their crop of athlete right like sure. there's there's yeah. been a noticeable shift from when mark rick got out of there to what what kirby has done you know like that he has been it, it's about recruiting classes right that's one thing you you get the star power and then it's just what kind of attitude and what kind of system do you put into place and the thing with georgia if we're going to allow ourselves some sluggish performances against way lesser teams and not push the panic button, then you'd have to afford that same luxury to the national champs, right? Who Mm -hmm. are also still undefeated. And, you know, Stetson Bennett gets, you know, certainly, certainly that guy gets no love. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what he would have to do to get any, but he gets none. It's just that you you watch Georgia when the game is is big, right? And they they just took down the number one team in the country and they completely obliterated them. So there's that. They did that against Oregon as well to start off the season. And so they're they're the team. They're they're still the team for me. Now that you uh you know you you got rid of uh, Tennessee momentarily, but yeah, it's it's not so much that you're stuck on a two touchdown win over Northwestern in gale force wins, which they were, I'm sure that made, that was, that was a frustrating day for everybody that participated in it. Certainly for Ohio state, Northwestern had to love it because weather is a great equalizer. And that was a perfect, perfect example of it where Northwestern just man for man, they're completely outclassed in every way, except for Skaronsky, their left tackle, you know, they're just completely out, outclassed, outmanned by Ohio state. And they were able to have that as a one possession game midway through the fourth quarter. I thought Pat Fitzgerald made a mistake. I don't know why he's uh, going for it on a fourth and eight in a one score game when he's already had a 60 yard drive. I would play that were me. I'd, I'd ball control that. I'd tell my punter, you better punt this inside the 10 or else. And then send their defense because Ohio State went three and out the next possession. So then you would still be getting it back at the 50 if you did that. Instead, Mirko had a nice punt, put it back to the 10, and Northwestern just didn't have enough in the tanks to replicate that exact same drive where they hit a bunch of third down conversions. And it was kind of a wild, wildly good drive for Northwestern at the time. But yeah, it's it it, it can be both, Pat. I think it can be both. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of concern in me about can this team beat the team up north and go and win a national championship that that because that's really that's what it is right the the three goals are beat that team up north win the big 10 and win the national championship i cannot sit here today after watching the team struggle to run the football weather permitting each of the last three weeks and just be dead set that they're that they're winning everything that we want them to win this year i'm not there yet yeah, well, the run game, and, and we've had some people in the comments bring up the run game. Tony Lightfoot, is Ryan Day stubbornly forcing the run game? Look, you and I talked last week about the run game, and I said, I don't think the run game needs to be a focus. This is a pass-first team. You know, as long as yeah. you can throw the ball, you'll you'll be able to run. You just need to be able to run when you need to. Well, last week was the perfect counterexample to that because they couldn't throw the ball. And they do still end up with 200-plus rushing yards. They, they got some things going. Obviously, C.J. Stroud took off a few times, way more than, than he has. I think he came into, his, into that game with 19 career carries, which includes you know when, when he gets tackled for a loss and things like that. Um, 
and he had six in that game for 79 yards, I want to say. But the running game to me, just kind of looking at how Ohio State's doing, this was the game that was most concerning, I guess, because as we've touched on before, Iowa, really good run defense, really good defense in general. Penn State was like, look, beat us with your passing game. Ohio State did, no problem, ultimately, at the end of that game. But, you know, I think when you're when you're playing inferior athletes, I think that's when people get disappointed, right? Because guys are losing battles up front. And it wasn't every snap, but it was enough important snaps that it becomes a question. And, you know, toughness was a, a thing that was thrown around a lot this year. People were calling them out on, on Twitter and on our message boards. I think, I honestly think, and I will, I will eat my words if this is not the case these next two weeks. I think Ohio State, especially the offense, walked into that game thinking, we're going to blow the doors off this team. And they just had one of those mental lapse games. And it coincided with a weather game that you didn't really expect. They knew there was going to be wind. Guys have admitted it all week, including Ryan Day. You read the the weather button or the weather uh, app on your phone and you're just like, you know, yeah, that'll be windy, but it, it won't be that bad. And then I think you get there, you know, guys in warmups, there was more juice for those guys before Toledo, before Arkansas State than there was for that game. And so, look, I certainly think there's some execution things that need to be done better. I think that's been the case for a while. I think that there are some guys, specifically the two guards for Ohio State, that are either banged up or just not playing as well as they were early in the season, and that needs to be better. Um, you know, I think you can point to a variety of things, and that's what Ryan Day said this week about the run game. But I think if you go out these next two weeks, and I certainly think you'll have this against Michigan, if you have your mind right, we're going to go – because being a lineman, playing that physical game that you need to play in the trenches, if you don't have it from the beginning, it's not something you can just turn on. You know, it's not like you're a wide receiver yeah. and, yeah. you know, you drop a couple, but then you just get in a groove or a quarterback starts heating up or running back gets a handful, you know. You have to have that mentality that you're just going to win every battle from the get-go. And I just don't think they had it. And I've seen Ohio State enough this year, the first half of the season, be good on the offensive line. I mean, you know, they weren't great. There were definitely mistakes, but that didn't just not happen. And so I think they get that going again this week. And that's why I, I said it in our roundtable on the site today. I'm just not that concerned yet. I think that these games should be looked at in a vacuum. And I think last week was, was a combination of, of bad things at the, at the same time. I don't know. Am I crazy? I mean, I look, man, you're, you're allowed to feel whatever you want to feel, but <laughs> thanks, man. I, I think we know that when you lose that game, in some cases, the whole entire season is going to be made on that one game. Yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah. maybe maybe there is a little bit of this this mental game that you mentioned where god we know we're going to be putting so much in to November 26 that mm -hmm. we can't empty the tanks like that emotionally against Northwestern. Maybe maybe nobody would say that or nobody would admit that but there's something in the back of your mind like you mentioned the energy the buzz just wasn't there at the start of that game. It does you know, you and me, we're sitting here in the comfort of a studio, right? We're not out there practicing in elements right now and cold and the wind hitting us and pellets of rain. You know, it's I can it's go different. sit outside if you yeah, want. Yeah, we can we can take this outside. It's it's different. That's probably gonna do something to you. We're like, oh, okay, let's just let's just bite it and get through this today, right? Instead of going out and imposing our will, let's just get through it and get on to the next one. Maybe there was some of that, but what, how, whatever you're going to say in that regard, it looked the way it looked. And you sure. talk about toughness, you talk about physicality, you talk about weather be damned. I don't care what it is. If it's hard to throw the football in this weather, it doesn't matter because we're Ohio State and you can put eight guys in the box. You can put nine guys in the box. You could play, you know, you could have it set up like a field goal block right there on the line of scrimmage. And we are still going to run the football right at you and get whatever we need to succeed today. And the short yardage situation, that's just, you know, when it's third down and one or when it's fourth down and one and you can't get a yard, that's got nothing to do with, with wind or 
you know, rain or weather. That's just sheer willpower and having both the blocking and the running back doing what needs to be done. And I don't know about you, but for the first time, and I know some of this, clearly you've had Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams in and out of the lineup with injury all season long. Yeah. And that is a concern. And I, I really wanted to see what a Dallin Hayden or even a Chip Trainum had to give. I mean, if those guys are fully healthy and we've heard stories, I mean, we've, we've heard tales of Chip Trainum's impressive athleticism, you know, from different players. We've heard guys on the team call him the most athletic guy on the team. If he's got something to give with the top two backs, it's not that clearly a fully healthy Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams. Those guys are great. Let's get back to that. Let's do what we do. But if they're not, that was a game where I wouldn't have minded to see what else was there because it was a combination of both. Mayan didn't look all right. He didn't have that absolute dominance and power and that vision that we've seen him possess at times this year. So, you know, I, I guess we'll we'll have a similar type of situation tomorrow, Pat, where the weather's not going to be completely pretty and Ohio State's going to have to go out there and do it again where it might not be conditions to throw the ball for 350. Right. And Ryan Day said on, on the radio show on your guys' network this week that they, they're going to get those guys that you mentioned, Chip Trainum, uh, Dallin Hayden more involved. I'm still kind of a I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, that leads me to believe without knowing anything that, that Travion Henderson may not play again. Um, we know he was in a walking boot last week. If you're gonna, if you're already talking about using some depth, you probably are hinting that one of the running backs is out. So, you know, I'm just I'm just kind of reading between the lines there. You mentioned Chip Trainum. He was a running back at Arizona State before he transferred to Ohio State. 78 carries, 402 yards, and six touchdowns last year. That's 5.2 yards a carry, so that's that's not too bad. Um, you know, that's that's solid. Now it's the Pac-12; it's a different animal. Um, but you know, as as long as these guys aren't going to turn the ball over, I think that's the concern. If you're Ryan Day, especially in a game like last week when possessions are going to be so precious and the conditions are bad, I I think you can definitely turn to these guys. You know, especially in a game like this this week, you're at home. I think it's, you know, I think the chances of rain are pretty low. It's going to be cold. Um, you know, you're back in a stadium that'll block out the wind, so you don't have to worry about that too much. Yeah, I think it's time to get these guys on on the field and, uh, you know, let, let's see what they can do. Yeah, I think we've seen some from Dallin Hayden, right? I've been impressed with him. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Especially for a freshman. So, look, the run game, I don't think they're going to be elite running the ball, but I think that they they – can and will do better than they did last week, even did the last three weeks. Again, I said at the beginning, if if I'm wrong and they struggle to run the ball this week against Indiana and they struggle to run it against Maryland in two weeks, I will say the week before the Michigan game that, that they're going to have some problems. But I think the big thing, if we're looking down the road, not only to Michigan, but some potential college football playoff games, you've got to stop the run too, right? I mean, that's that's another I don't want to say concern, but that's another focus for Ohio State and something they couldn't do last year against Michigan. Michigan's one of the top rushing teams in the country. Georgia's really good at running the ball. Um, yeah, you know, those are two teams that you're likely to face if you're going to win a national championship, right? Michigan definitely. I mean, 80 of the it wasn't all rushing, but 80 of Northwestern's yards last week came on one drive, and they had 205 the rest of the game. So. I'm still pretty sold on this defense doing its job. Obviously, Michigan will be a big step up running the ball. But what what did you take away from the defense? How confident are you in the defense right now when you get to those bigger games at the end of the year? I feel you know, I feel pretty good about the defense, Pat, but um I'm, I'm I'm kind of also in that holding pattern where we don't really we don't really know what what's going to happen when the competition level kicks up right because we have seen some pretty regular teams start to get the job done we we obviously saw Penn State do what it did Sean Clifford had a hell of a day throwing the football i'm more concerned you know with and i had been all year more concerned with ohio state secondary and you talk about you know good teams have to run the football and stop the run that is true, but I might bleed a little bit more, you know, to Ohio State's secondary where the concern is when you you catch a pass-happy team and 
you have, you know, those 300, 400 yard passing days go up against you. That's what, that's what really keeps me awake at night. When you think about some of the issues with the secondary and not having Cam Brown and not having Jordan Hancock until game, you know, seven, eight of the season here. So, you know, it's good. It's good to get him in. It really is. It's good to get that guy in and get him playing. And hopefully he gets some confidence and gets up to speed against uh, some of these, you know, Big Ten East teams that you know you're going to beat before you welcome Michigan to town on November 26th. But I look, I saw I saw the graphic where Ohio State and Michigan are the only two teams in college football right now. Only two teams in college football right now that are top 10 in scoring offense and scoring defense. So, you know, clearly Ohio State's got a balanced team. They really do. And Jim Knowles, you are asking him to fix it. And he has moved it way in the right direction. Yeah. It, it, absolutely, 100% yes. But is it good enough to where you're going to be able to shut another team down if your own offense isn't having the best performance? I I still think that's a... That's a remains to be seen. And I just, I, I do, I do wonder, man, like I, I really, I really am going to be looking, you know, pretty closely at these next two performances for Ohio state before we get to that game, because I think it's going to be telling, I, I really do. I think it's going to be telling the way the Buckeyes do assert themselves physically on both lines of scrimmage. It, it's, it's about the trenches, right? Like we could say the secondary and everything, but it really is about the trenches on both sides of the yeah. football. When you talk about winning a national championship, it's usually going to be the strongest teams up front that win the line. And yep. that's that's the name of the game. It's not about electrifying passing numbers. We've we've seen that before. We've done all that where you've had one of the best offenses in the country, but you couldn't handle the other side of the ball. It's balanced up front, both sides of the ball. Yeah. And to your point, Brandon had chimed in in the chat. Justin Fry needs to change up his offensive line scheme. Go back and watch the 2014 National Champions the line was physical and Zeke didn't dance around. He hit the hole and took off. I think that's, I think that's true. I think that, you know, you just summed it up to me, but I wanted to highlight that there. Yeah. What for those of you watching live here as, as we record this, uh, throw in the chat from one to 10, 10 being full on panic mode, one being not panicked at all. I'm curious where you are on, on this team and, and give me a reason why I'm, I'm just interested to hear your perspective as we continue to talk here. Timmy, I, uh, I told you the other day, we're starting a new, I don't know if you want to call it segment, that's not the right word here, but uh, one of the things I hear the most when talking with buddies at the bar, especially once they've had a few, is, is what the hell, and then followed by whatever they are angry about. Um, so we're going to start doing each week a, a what the hell portion of our, our show where, you know, we something we're frustrated with, something we, we don't understand be it Ohio State, be it college football, you know, something somewhat related. Tim, I know you you gave this some thoughts, so I'll let you kick it off first. What is your what the hell this week? Well, I'd like to, for a second, take you to the NFL ranks because we've got history with this guy. He's a flag planter, and uh, even though it's not even real grass at Ohio Stadium, he tried to, you know, shove a graphite pole with an Oklahoma Sooner flag into the block O at center middle of the field there. Doesn't Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield was headbutting his entire team during the Thursday night football game versus the Atlanta Falcons last night. And it was a very, very strange thing. I don't know if Baker Mayfield has done this before. We've seen all sorts of high testosterone football things before. I mean, it, you know, John Ritchie used to wear a football helmet and his nose would just start bleeding profusely. Like that was good. It's good. Just good football. Look right. Throwback stuff. Dick Butkus just sitting there with the big cloak on with his bloody fingers, you know, NFL films catching him. It just didn't have that same feel to me. You know, the, the benched, the traded, the downtrodden Baker Mayfield watching you know, PJ Walker back in there taking his job and he's trying to be all hyped up and he's headbutting his teammates who are wearing helmets while he does not have one on just his head and a ball cap. And Al Michaels, who's just been such a breath of fresh air with how he has been quick to criticize their own crappy Thursday night football games when it has been that way. He said, oh, Kirk Herbstreit's just kind of doing like the, uh, 
oh, oh, wow. You know, like not, not trying to criticize, but clearly thinking this, this is pretty stupid. Like, what's what are you doing, Baker? Al just says, oh, that's a good way to end up in the concussion protocol without even playing. Yeah. So, what the hell, man? Baker, what? What the hell? What are you doing? Also, it's always with Baker. He's unchained, right? He's unhinged, you know, not with the not with the Browns anymore. We're going to beat those Browns. But the second it goes wrong, you try to ask him about it. He's throwing it back at the media members. And this, what do you he's he's just he's a little bit of a chotch. Let's put it that way. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's his own guy for sure. Um, I just remember listening to him before they came in to Columbus that year and just a weird dude, you know, but it's worked for him for the most part. He's gotten to the national football leagues, won a Heisman trophy. So, you know, more power to him, I guess. Um, a couple of, uh, a couple answers to my questions about panic mode. Sue says seven O-line run game and health are her concerns. Uh, Mitchell Swanson six. Buckeyes will be amped up and prepared at home for the Michigan game. Health stinks with JSN, running backs, and Matt Jones. And Tony Lightfoot says four. Still concerned at corner, establishing ability to cover and tackle. So if you have more in there, throw them in. I'm interested, always interested to hear what people think on these type of topics. My what the hell, Tim. And, and I don't usually go – I'm not one to criticize coaches very often um, or, or decisions made in games. And I don't even know how – this all happened, but against Northwestern, Julian Fleming was targeted nine times. And I think if I remember correctly, he was targeted eight of those times before Marvin Harrison Jr. had two targets. And uh, to me, that is very much a, what the hell are you doing? Now, whether that's a game plan thing, CJ not reading the field, I can tell you, it's not like Northwestern was double teaming, Marvin Harrison Jr. This is probably the best wide receiver total package in the country. I've talked to some NFL people who are absolutely drooling over getting to draft this kid or the potential to draft this kid in a couple of years. He's your top receiver, 53 catches, 834 yards. He's got 10 touchdowns. How, when you need to throw, you know, these short slants would work through that cutting wind, right? It's just quick, get it in, get it out. And Marvin Harrison Jr. has proven to be a guy who can make those plays. He did it against Penn State. CJ Stroud talked about how he checked to those plays to get the first down on third down. How you don't go to him over and over in those situations instead of continuing to try and hit Julian Fleming. Perplexing to me. I know people were frustrated with it on social media. I don't understand what the thinking was there. And as soon as you realize that Julian just doesn't have it, you, you got to try something else. That was frustrating for everyone watching it. You know, what the hell? I don't I just I don't get it. The what the what the hell was why did you even throw the ball 26 times? That's a what the hell. 16 incompletions. On top of what, you know, you just mentioned about Julian Fleming and the targets going that way and it wasn't his day. A lot of those were just uncatchable balls as well. And I don't necessarily blame CJ Stroud. It's a blame on what they were asking him to do. Like understand the conditions you're in. Northwestern knows their home, right? They know those conditions and their quarterback had a much more efficient day throwing yeah. the football than CJ Stroud did. That's a, that's a big, what the hell is that the Northwestern dude, what threw it for over 70% in that kind of wind. That's yeah. taking what mother nature gives, gives you. Yeah. Even when they were trying to throw the ball with the wind at the back and go to the deep balls, you can't throw the deep ball when it's 50 miles an hour at your back, right? It's just going to, like the punts, they're going to be in Highland Park. They're going to be in Winnetka. Yeah. It, the ball's gone. Sorry, like you can't do it. That, that was a big what the hell. Stop trying to throw the ball this many times in this. Get to the ground and pound. Get to the QB run. Get to the things that are going to make you efficient sooner in the football game rather than later. The yeah. other, oh, here's a what the hell, by the way. because. I see uh I see Big John there. I I hear you. I hear you, ma'am. People in the fan base complain too much. People expect 70 points every game, and it's unrealistic. It can feel that way uh a little bit. But it you know, the interesting thing on that on that subject, Big John, I it kind of it kind of bleeds both ways for me in doing this job. I I feel like there's a huge faction of people 
that, you know, think that we just laud the team way too much. You know, it's almost like what what's your personality? It's not really about being overtly negative or overtly positive. It's just understanding that there's other teams out there and we haven't won a national championship since 2014. And the way that this program recruits, that's always going to be the bar. That's always going to be the goal every single season. And so, you know, some people, the positive side says that you're being way too negative and expecting way too much. But then the negative side might say, well, you're just, you're just, you know, giving them everything before the season's even over and you got to play these games and the games don't really get tough until you get to the end. Like this, what Ohio state plays for hasn't even arrived yet. That's the thing. And it'd be one thing if they went to Penn state and won that game by 35 or 40, that would be, that would have been an awfully impressive performance. Or if they just beat the doors off of Notre Dame in that first game of the season, like I know a lot of people around here were predicting that they would. That's the thing too. We, we get so many people in the Buckeye media that will just go with the 55 to seven prediction every game, every game. And I don't know. I, I'm try. I try not to be a complainer. I just try to analyze what I see and be realistic about things. That's what I think being realistic is knowing that there's other teams and people that will stand in the way of Ohio state to try to win a national championship. It's not just going to be 60 to seven every, every single game, but we all seem to just, or a lot of us seem to just predict that every single week. But the, the other uh, what the hell was uh, C.J. Stroud having a side-by-side comparison with Bo Nix. For some reason, there was a graphic that was put up that had Bo Nix's numbers for his entire season compared to C.J. Stroud's Northwestern numbers. And he's still the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And he's got, he's got plenty of opportunities down the stretch to seal the deal with Hendon Hooker losing with uh, Bryce Young, of course, losing. They're really, you know, Blake Corm's a good ways back. And for a running back, he doesn't have, you know, you got to get close to, I think, the 2,000-yard mark. You got to do some special, special things as a running back. He's only got a 6.0 yard per carry average. It's not like 7.5 or or 8.5 or something stupid like that. But to put Bo Nix's season stats next to C.J. Stroud's one-game stats, in uh, that windstorm, a little bit unfair. What, what what the hell, guys? What are we doing? Yeah, yeah, I don't get that one. Um, but while you're talking about predictions, do you have the Buckeyes covering this Indiana game this weekend? 40 points is the spread right now. No. You don't? I don't. All right. All no. Right. I'll, uh, I'll take Ohio State by 31. Yeah, I after talking to, uh, to Matt. 41 to on- 10. 41 right. to 10. All right. I had, I talked with Matt, obviously we had Matt on earlier um, talking to him early in the week for the written piece we did. He's about as down on this Indiana team as, <laughs> as can be right now with injuries and just the way they've been playing. So my prediction, you can read all of our predictions, the staff predictions on Bucknuts. It's up there right now, but I said 55 to 10. I think this, I think I said it last week. I think I thought last week would be that like focused regained focus after the Penn state game. Mm-hmm. I think this is a game where they, they take it. Maybe I'm one of those guys you're talking about that's been too – I don't think I'm overly optimistic generally on this team, at least not in comparison with some people, some of which I work with. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just think the Buckeyes – I'm more concerned about the game next week going to Maryland. Pretty good Maryland team. I just don't think this Indiana team's very good. So Yeah, I, I just – I always fall victim to it too. Like the, I tried to take a stab at Ohio State covering last week. And right mm-hmm. when you step out there and do it, it just blows up in your face. <laughs> and and this, the second you saw the weather, too, and what it actually looked like, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. How in the hell could that have been a 38-point spread with those kind of conditions? And it wasn't adjusted or anything. And as soon as the first drive was over, I texted Tyvis and I said, you know what? You're right. I'd pull this one back if I had a chance. There's a 0.0% chance that Ohio State covers today. Yeah, and they didn't, but they won. So uh, we're going to wrap this up. Timmy, thank you, as always, for giving me time on Thursday, Friday, whatever way we, whatever day we do this. Uh, for those watching live, we appreciate it. Thank you. Like, subscribe. For everyone listening to the podcast version, thank you as well. 
like, subscribe, all that stuff. That helps us up a bunch. Tim, uh, I guess I'll talk to you probably later on Friday evening, right? Sounds good, Pat. We'll all see right. you in a week. Buckeyes will get the job done. Let's uh, let's just hope that they they improve. They improve a whole lot and get things pointed in the you know not pointed in the right direction, but cleaned up. You know that you need to be starting to play your absolute best football this time of year. Agreed. Agreed. Well, this was another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, uh, Matt Weaver from our 247 site for coming on. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, Buckeye fans. Cheers. Cheers. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man. Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious. Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.